Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. This is part two of a two-part series with Jessica and Brandon Bergeron. Uh, they are residents of San Antonio, and I uh, hope many of you got to hear their story, uh, their Cajun love story uh, called Relentless Pursuit. If you didn't get to hear it, you can go on SoundCloud.com and search Cajun Catholics, and uh, you should be able to hear the episode from last week. But we're going to continue that story because that story goes on. And um, so I'll let you guys kind of go from there. Where, where, where did the relationship go? We left off with them in a, in, in a pool, uh, in, a, in a beach. Mm-hmm. In uh, Jamaica. And, and reuniting their relationship. And then what happened after that? So that was May 23rd of 2015. So we, we went on to date. And then 2017 is when Brandon's prayer picked up. <laughs> so uh, the last time we talked, we... We're telling you how I had a, a long conversion, and, and the witness of Jessica really um, brought to my life a, a new hope and, and her family and, and friends. Um, but once uh, that happened and I started getting plugged into the church, my, my prayer life really, really took off. Uh, but at the time, I was still playing football at LSU. And so our relationship began to grow, and we we got really close, and, and marriage started to, to get in our hearts. Um, but at the time, we were very involved at Christ the King, and I started going to Bible studies, and then Jessica and I ended up leading a Bible study together, and things really took off. At one night, I think we had like 35 people in our Bible study. I mean, it was incredible, and just the witness we were being able to have for others was a beautiful thing. Um, but at the same time, I was torn because my heart was for Jesus, but I was still playing and spending a lot of time in, on the LSU campus. And I would wake up in the morning from 7 to 12, and I would be in class, and then from 12 to 7 p.m. at night, I was at practice and film study. And my days were full, and, and then at night, I was doing engineering. So my days were really full, and, and it was really tough to even find time to spend with her um, in, in our church. But I still tried to find time to go to adoration. And, and any of you listening out there, I, I really encourage you, if you haven't been to adoration, just find a moment and, and try. And even if you're standing in the parking lot and Jesus is on the other side of the wall, or in your room and you find some peaceful quiet, just reflect and see what God has to tell you. And for me, the first time I ever truly heard God speak to me in my heart in adoration, um, it, was, it was like an audible, clear, visible sign for me. It was my junior year in college, and he said, if you give up something you love, I'll give you something greater. And at the time, at the very moment, I didn't know what it exactly meant, so I sat and reflected longer, and I just tried to really listen and, and spent more time with him. And it became really clear. Uh, my first love was football. I mean, I've been playing it since I was a little kid. I love football. I had the, my biggest dream was to play in front of LSU Stadium, in front of 100,000 people, throw a game-winning touchdown, you know, get all the glory, get the fame. Um, but as I, I began to play and I started to watch the reality of it, um, I watched Anthony Jennings come from the sideline and cry after he threw one interception in a game, you know, as a 19-year-old kid. So you know, I was crying too, by the way. <laughs> So, you know, be careful what you wish for because it's not always, you know, rainbows and butterflies. And I realized my heart was really being tugged the other way in my faith. So I knew that giving up something I love might have been my dream of being an LSU quarterback. And so going into my senior year, I decided that I was going to give up football and fully pursue my faith and ministry. And so 
two weeks after I made this decision, I get a phone call from our campus minister at uh, Christ the King, and she says, Brandon, we've never done this before, but we'd really like for you to be the student leader of all our Bible studies at Christ the King. And that was just, I was in shock. You know, if you knew me, I'd just started going to Bible studies my sophomore year, but I, I just wanted to know the why so bad that I dug so deep in just in two years that God, it, it was like Moses. He put me up on the mountain and I came back down with gray hair. <laughs> and I actually do now have gray hair. <laughs> um, so to, right after that, we had 26 Bible studies and and Jessica ended up helping me with that. And our ministry just really took off. And we, by my senior year, we were having disciples that were freshmen and sophomores in college. And, and our relationship really began to grow in our faith. Yeah, I think Brandon's ability of um, being a quarterback really transitioned into um, into the Catholic Church. And as a quarterback, you're able to you know to back up and to, to see the entire field, see the entire playing field. And that was Brandon's gift in the church. He was he was born a leader, and Miss Julie Holden saw that in him, and he led that many Bible study leaders, and it was a very successful um, semester at Christ the King. But, so you really were an all-American quarterback. <laughs> you just didn't realize it. I was a quarterback for Jesus. Yeah. But don't let it fool you that Jessica was the rock of my prayer, and she was the one that, that kept me sound at all times. Never let my pride or my head get too big, because without her, it'd probably be bigger than this booth. <laughs> um, but as we go on from there, um, we're in our senior year, and my heart and my prayer really started to grow, and, and Jessica and I just got closer than we ever had in our entire life. I mean, it was just like we were one with the Holy Spirit. We were we were growing so close, and I knew that marriage was on my heart and on her heart, but, you know, we're still in college, and, and time will only tell. Um, but one night, I'm, I'm driving home, and I'm just, I turn off the radio, and I'm just praying in my car. And it, it hit me like a ton of bricks that God was telling me it, it's time to start praying and preparing for an engagement. So this was on um, this was on September 31st that this happened. So I decided that I'm going to pray a decade. Not September 31st. There is no September, September 30th. <laughs> it's the day before October 1st, okay. whatever that is. That's supernatural. October 1st is St. Therese's feast right. day. So um, I decided I'm going to pray a decade for her every day until the Lord truly reveals to me um, that she is prepared for marriage and that, you know, he's ready for us to take that next step. Because at the time we're, you know, we're 21-year-old kids, almost 22, and um, life's ahead of us. But, you know, I wasn't sure if she was ready. So I decided I'm going to pray. But I also decided I'm going to pray with different people, uh, whether it was her family or friends. Just invite somebody once a day, call them up or meet with them. And just, you know, maybe share our story or our testimony, and then we would pray a decade together. And that went on for 168 days. 168 days. He met with different people every single day, people in my life, and prayed a decade of the rosary to prepare both of our hearts for the proposal. And I was absolutely oblivious. <laughs> well, the best part of the story, though, is Jessica has a huge devotion with St. Therese. And St. Therese and her, I like to say they're best friends, and I'm just kind of like the outsider. I, I'm just kind of on the, the fence and just watch them and their friendship go by. Um, but I decided, since it was October 1st and this had come to me, that I'm going to ask St. Therese to intercede on our behalf and really send us a sign if God really wants us uh, to be engaged and, and to get married and that her heart will be prepared. And a month later, it was November 1st, I'm getting my dates right this time, All Saints Day, and Jessica went to see Father Josh, and Father Josh was having um, a veneration of saints. 
And so we're uh, passing the relics around, and we're all getting to venerate them, which was really amazing. And one in particular I, I held close to my heart. I didn't even know what it was at the time, um, but I just felt like praying with it longer. And so we passed them around, and at the end of the service, Father Josh says, the one you were holding, Jessica, was St. Therese's hair. Wow. And she was freaking out, and she comes home to tell me this, and I'm like, wow, that's that's incredible, you know? And I had to ask St. Therese to really intercede on our behalf, and... Sure enough, you know, she's she's bringing her relic to Jessica to pray with. And as we continue to go on, I'm praying with different people, and finally I, I get a chance to pray with Father Josh. And I'm telling Father Josh how a friend of mine um, told me, heard about our the prayer that I was doing for our engagement, and said that she knew some nuns that were uh, willing to pray for us during this time and pray for our engagement. Well, these nuns are Carmelite nuns dedicated to the Order of St. Therese, and I had no idea. Uh, but she just had already emailed them. There was 12 nuns, and they send a picture uh, our way, and it's the, all of them holding a rose. And so I show Father Josh when I finally met with him, and I told him the story, and he says, did you, did you know that those nuns are the ones that gave me the relic of St. Therese that Jessica was praying with? <laughs> and I, my heart just drops. You know, it went full circle, you know, how God works in our saints and their, their intercession just to to prove to us through signs and wonders that, that God's really involved in what we're doing. So fast forward to the proposal day. Like you said, a lot of saints were in the mix praying with us, and Padre Pio was one of them. And so we pull up. Brandon's planning to propose um, at Our Lady of Mercy in Baton Rouge, and it was going to be after our holy hour that we had done every Saturday together. So we pull up in the parking lot. And just so you know, I, I had asked all these saints to, to intercede for us while we're praying too, and one that kept coming up on my heart and she was reading a book was Padre Pio, but I had gotten no sign, you know, that he wanted to be involved. And I had all these other crazy stories with saints, just like St. Therese and, and Mother Teresa, and the list goes on. Um, so I'm like, Padre Pio, can you send me a sign and just confirm that, um, you know, you want us to be a part of this process and confirm that uh, we should be engaged? So we pull up to the Adoration Chapel and there's this woman parked next to us. And she says, hey, come over here. And Jessica's like, what's going on? And so, well, we were kind of, we were halfway to the door of the chapel. And then she starts honking her horn a lot. And she's waving her arm. And I, I don't know. I was like, Brandon, maybe we should just keep going. Yeah. And we pull up and she has uh, crutches in her passenger seat. And she has a little accent. And we don't like really. bruises on her face. Yeah, we didn't really know what was going on. But she pulls out this cloth. And then she pulls out some scissors. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? And she says, are you guys married <laughs> we, I just start laughing. She has no idea what's I going on. I had no idea. And I'm just laughing because I'm about to ask her to be my wife, and this woman's asking if we're getting married. And she cuts the cloth, it's a brown cloth, and then just hands it to me. And she goes, this Padre Pio habit. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yes, this Padre Pio habit. And I'm like, he wore this? And she goes, yes. And then I turn around and I go to show Jessica, and she's gone. Yeah, so we, we take the relic and we walk a little bit. We look behind us. The lady is gone. We don't even see a car pull out of the parking lot. She's just, she's gone. So we like to call her our little uh, marriage angel. Um, <laughs> and come to find out through one of Brandon's friends that was in seminary, he told us that Pache Pio is a saint that confirms couples that um, are about to be engaged or married. Yeah, when he was and We alive, didn't even know yeah. that. So it, it was just huge confirmation. So the whole time that we're in adoration, I mean... I'm just full of consolation. I'm, I'm just full of joy because I know this is right and this is what God wants. And 
we walk out of that adoration chapel and I get down on one knee and I black out and she blacks out and <laughs> don't really know what I said, but there's tears and it, it was just a beautiful moment. Well, I tell you what, I had a front row seat and um, it was beautiful. It was. And uh, every, everything, these stories that they're telling, it almost seems supernatural, that, uh, but they are, they're real, very real. Um, these guys have uh, had a very much of a devotion to Christ and uh, have lived through some big time Holy Spirit moments and uh, it's been fun to watch and they've had such an impact, uh, impact on so many people I want to get into a little bit about their individuality because uh, they you know um, although they have an amazing marriage and they uh, both have a, a great devotion to Christ but it's different for a guy and a girl a little bit and um, I think Brandon's more of an academic from my standpoint and uh with that being said, still very much in touch with the Holy Spirit. I don't think you mentioned the date y'all started dating and how that was significant. In high school? Yeah. Yeah, that was um, November 11, 2011. So 11, 11, 11. It was actually after Brandon threw a game-winning touchdown pass. He came up to me on the field <laughs> and asked me to be his girlfriend. And I said yes. And then the, the camera guy comes up to interview Brandon and I run off the field. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so... Jess, when did we – so Jessica and I had the great privilege to go to the Holy Land during some of this. I don't know where it fell into the picture of your all's relationship. We went to the Holy Land in 2016, so we were dating again by that point. What kind of impact did that have on y'all's relationship? Uh, we all, you, know, you were dating, you said. Yeah, we were yeah. dating again. Brandon was very jealous that he was not on that trip. <laughs> yeah, so this was about a year into my conversion, and I was really – starting to come into the faith, but uh, I didn't know half, a lot of the stories because y'all would read a scripture verse and then show me a picture of where Jesus actually walked. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm freaking out. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had the privilege of going to a lot of places to travel with my dad, but that made me realize nothing will ever top that. I mean, you go to museums and you, you see historic things, but, I mean, this is, we would literally go to a spot and read the scripture and then be able to see what happened there. Um, my favorite was the Sea of Galilee. We went out on the boat, cut the engine off, and, and read the reading where he walked on water. Um, and it was just so peaceful. Yeah, that was very special. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. Uh, today's guest is Brandon and Jessica Bergeron, and they are uh, it's my son-in-law and my daughter, believe it or not, out there. And uh, <laughs> I've been wanting to have them on the show. Now, these guys live in San Antonio, San Antonio. <laughs> And, uh, you know, they're good Cajun Catholics, but they have moved away. But um, I think you moved to a great place. Tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a Catholic in San Antonio and how you fit in there. So I was very surprised at how similar their culture is to the Cajun culture, Um, just how holidays and festivals are centered around Catholic holidays and whatnot. Um, Now, obviously, they don't top the Cajun culture, and we we love our Cajun culture and uh, the people that are here. But uh, there is a huge Catholic community, and we've we've met a lot of very holy young couples who have been great for us to walk with. Um, they've already maybe have kids and around our age at a young age, and um, they just walk in their faith every day. So it's been very beautiful in the young adult ministry that they have in San Antonio. What do you find, Jess? It's like like home. Um, the food is pretty. I think the family and the food that's very similar. Um, just and the the Catholic they are very devout over there. I mean, in the Adoration chapels, they walk backwards um, so that they don't turn their back to God. I've and, seen that. Uh, they're they're very they love Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, just very devout. There's a Catholic church on every corner. Um, there's so many ministries. Their bulletins, their church bulletins, are a book. They are so thick. There's so many ministries they offer. I was able to find a um, mom's group. 
Uh, well, we have a son. <laughs> His name is Blake. We had him in August. Uh, he'll be one in August on the Assumption of Mary. So anyway, in San Antonio, I was able to find a mom's group that we get to meet once a week and just talk about, um, it's called Mothering with Grace. And we just talk about how we can't do it alone. We can't do it without, um, without Mary and without Christ um, being a mother to, to our kids and to, to everyone, really. Tell them a little bit about um, how Blake happened to be born on the on the uh, feast of the Assumption. Then, so we have a, a very deep devotion to um, the fifty four day Rosary Novena. So if you've never done one out there, I highly, 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 highly encourage you to do so, especially when you're discerning something. Um, so there's twenty seven days of petition, and then. Uh, 27 days of thanksgiving because so many times we pray um, and something happens but we forget to thank god for the the grace that he gave us that prayer is how we ended up in san antonio actually and that's a a pretty crazy story too um so when we were thinking about moving to san antonio we were decided we're going to pray a 54-day rosary novena and a white meant we were going to stay a white rose a white rose meant we were going to stay in lafayette and a red rose meant we were going to move to san antonio and the reason we picked those is because on one day, you offer up a bouquet of roses to Mary, and one day it would be white, and one day it will be red, and the other's white and red mixed. And mm-hmm. So we, we decided to offer up our prayer um, for our discernment of where we're going to move. Um, but at the end, uh, we looked at the feast day where the 54 days landed on, and it landed on St. Paul of the Cross. And we had never heard of him. I had never heard of him. We didn't know who he was, but uh, we decided you know, to look more into him. So I started praying to St. Paul of the Cross. And sure enough, while we're praying our 54-day Rosie Novena, a friend of ours just got back from Italy. And she says, hey, Brandon, I I got a gift for you. I went down to the monastery, and it's for the Passionist Order, and I got you a relic of St. Paul of the Cross. Uh, They gave me two of them. So I'm freaking out. I mean, I'm like, what? How does that even happen? You know, and she had no idea that I was praying, you know, that 54-day Rosie Novena and fell on his feast day. Well, Jessica and I are praying our Rosie Novena at the church one day, and y'all, I lose everything. I everything. Mean, I lose patron. everything. Everything. Saint they Anthony all know. Last night, I couldn't even find my wallet. <laughs> everything. So, Did anybody find it? <laughs> we found it. <laughs> so I lost the relic. He I, lost the relic. On, from, the, from the church to the car, couldn't find it, and a week goes by. I can't find this relic anywhere. So, meanwhile, we had been getting red roses. We kept receiving red roses to go to San Antonio, but we, were, we kept ignoring it. We're like, no, this isn't it. Let's keep asking for another sign. So, when Brandon loses the relic, he's like, okay, if I find this relic, we're going to go. We're going to go to, uh, Santa, 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 to San Antonio. San Antonio. <laughs> so, yeah, and after the last red rose we got, I said, well, let's let God give us one more sign. And about two minutes later, the the regional head of our, my company that I was going to work for in San Antonio calls me and said, hey, we just wanted to check in on you, uh, you know, and the offer that we gave you. We just want to let you know we love you. And that was literally 30 seconds after we got the rose, and we were just so stringent on leaving and so worried about leaving, and we were such homebodies because, you know, we love we love Lafayette and our home. Um, but God had a different plan, and it was his will for us to, to leave, but we were rejecting it over and over. So he kept slapping us in the face with different signs. But the last one was... Um, about a week later, it had an epiphany moment of where it could be, the, the relic. And so it was near campus at LSU by the Buffalo Wild Wings off of Highland Drive. If you've ever been there, there's a Buffalo Wild Wings, and there's this small little grass patch, okay, and I had parked right there. And so I go, and I'm driving back, and I said, all right, Lord, if I find this relic, 
I know we're, we're meant to go to San Antonio. Because he's praying to St. Anthony for this lost item, which is San Antonio. Yeah. And I'm thinking in my head, there's no way in heck I'm going to find this. There's no way we're going to San Antonio. Like, this isn't going to happen. So I pull up, and I go back to the spot. And mind you, I've already checked this place. Game day for LSU has already happened. They probably cut the grass. It's rained over the week. I mean, if this thing's there, it's still it's probably a goner. And I pull up, and I start moving my hands around the grass, and I, I don't find anything. But then th- there was clouds out, and the clouds slowly moves away, and the sun comes out. And I just look down by my feet, and my heart just drops because the sun slowly started shining on the metal. And it, it was super bright, and I knew that the relic was there. So I bent down, and I, I felt around, and I picked it up, and I just said, I guess we're moving to San Antonio. <laughs> I'm in adoration at the time. I get a text. I look at my phone. It says, found the relics. We're moving to San Antonio. <laughs> and I'm in tears at the time. as I'm getting this <laughs> And my wife is in, in uh, more than tears. She's in a straitjacket. Uh, but, yeah, it's a good story, you know, because um, all of us who have uh, young kids who, who get married and move away, and there's a lot of that in Cajun country, right? Uh and it's tough, and you don't want to see your grandkids go away from you and all. But but I think that you know, like the Bible says, you gotta when you love someone, you gotta let them go a little bit. And uh, and we've always felt that way when we raised our children that we need to let them spread their wings. And so they have. And and I think it's been a really good choice for y'all. And I think that you found a, a wonderful home over there, and they're still able to get back home a lot. They're here because of the virus. They've been spending a lot of time in Cajun country, and <laughs> we've been. Showing them, showing them a good time so that they want to come back home and stay. <laughs> and I think we've had we've had some good times during this virus, huh? Yep. So back to your original question sure. uh, about the uh, how Blake was born is that 54 day rosary novena that we had prayed. We knew it was effective because we moved to San Antonio. So we said when we found out that we were pregnant for our son Blake, that we were going to pray it again. And this time we decided we were going to invite our family and friends. So we, I don't know how many people we had, maybe 10 people praying the Rosary Novena with us. Um, but sure enough, over time, our devotion to Mary really, really grew. And when we moved out to San Antonio, we were looking for another ministry. And we met one couple who just invited us to join this group called the Legion of Mary. And I, I was like, maybe Jessica will like it. Maybe she won't. It's, it's very uh, structured and... You go out and you do acts of service, and it, it can be kind of time-consuming. So I went to one meeting, and I said, Jessica, you want to come join? So she came, and at first she was like, oh, I don't know if we'll do this. But then, sure enough, she kept coming back every week, and we went every week. And we've been going now for two years, and we've, we've found a ministry there. So our devotion to Our Lady really, really, really grew. Um, and we found out that just through her, grace really flows abundantly. And, and when you follow her, she brings you closer to her son and and. You know, we're her children, so we decided to pray the Rosary Novena for Blake. And that devotion to Mary grew so much that when we found out we were pregnant and we found out our due date, it was on August 15th, which is the Assumption of Mary. And we're just like, of course, that's, you know, that, that's how Mary works. She's going to take care of, of Blake. And as we get closer, we find out that Jessica's going to be induced on her due date on August 15th. And... We didn't know what we were having. We didn't. We didn't have. Um, we didn't find out the gender. We didn't have a gender reveal, and so Jessica, she always kind of knew that we were having a boy, but I didn't know. And I had they knew, a. Dr- they knew they were having a Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had a dream about a month before of a fair-skinned, blue-eyed child, and I mean, I'm not fair-skinned or blue-eyed. <laughs> I'm not even close to that. Um, but sure enough, 
Blake is born on August 15th, and he comes out with his eyes wide open, and they're blue as the sky, and they're still blue today, and we like to say that uh, Mary gave Blake his blue eyes. That's beautiful. We have about a few minutes left on the show, Brandon. I heard you talking to Emily, my other daughter, the, uh, during the night the other night, explaining you know, Mary's role in our church. I want you to just go over that for some of our listeners because I thought it was well, well done. And, and tell, tell us a little bit about why, why your devotion to Mary. So I like to describe Mary uh, in a simple story. Everybody knows Noah's Ark, right? And um, Mary is the Ark of the Covenant, and so she is symbolized as the Ark. And in Noah's Ark, um, Noah is a prefigurement of Jesus to come, you know, and he takes them two by two and puts them in the boat, and he is the captain of the boat. He is bringing them to the promised land. And even when the storm comes, he's, he's the safeguard um, that takes them in the boat. But the boat is what gets them there, and that big ark is Mary. So she is our co-redemptress and our salvation to get us to the promised land, and Jesus is the captain of that boat. And so we all need to be on that boat if we want to get to heaven, and that's going to be the safest and surest way when you're on that boat. You're going to find your way easier and better to get to heaven. And um, when I started to reflect on that, and when I made my Marian consecration, I started reading that story, how the, the dove goes out of the boat, and it went to look for uh, the promised land. Moses would send out the dove, and the dove obviously symbolizes the Holy Spirit. But it says when the dove can't find land, it comes back to the boat. So St. Louis de Montfort says, um, whenever the Holy Spirit finds Mary in a heart, he communicates completely to that soul. And so whenever we have Mary in our heart, we're actually growing closer to Jesus. She's the one that, that raised him. She's the one that taught him. And, and without her, um, it, it's hard to be a good Catholic because she's the one who, who forms us and molds us. Tell us also, that's so beautiful, about uh, the analogy about Mary and the moon. I heard you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, Jesus, you know, We've always heard about him as the sun, but the moon gets its light at night from the sun. And so whenever everything is really dark and, and you're not sure where to go at night, there's always that moonlight at night, and it draws the energy and the, the, the light from the sun. So Mary is just like the sun. She draws her energy and light from her sun, and she reflects off of him and gives us that light and darkness. And so if you're out there and you're, you're, you're struggling with something, uh, Mary should be the one that you could ask to comfort you in a, maybe a softer way if you need it. Um, because I like to always say when somebody's struggling, mourn with Mary. Because Mary is the one that will comfort you even when Jesus mourned Jesus mourned with Mary and as she would hold him on the cross. Jess, you get the last word. <laughs> After you guys have your ten children, then what? What's your legacy going to be? What do you want oh, y'all's legacy to be? I think just our, our love for each other. Our love for each other, for sure. Um, I went to confession recently with the priest in San Antonio, and he said, I've been in this business for I don't know how many years. It was, it was a lot of years. And he said, the most inspiring thing to me is the lo- a love between a husband and a wife. So um, I just think our love for each other. And then we all, our prayer is um, that our love and our family can radiate the Trinity, the love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I think that's, that's something that we focus our prayer on. Well, I was just going to say, you know, in Our Lady of Fatima always said the last battle will be against marriage and families, and I feel like we're in the midst of that right now, and we need more holy families out there for especially young men um, to grow up and be holy men for other people in our world. So we just hope that we can be a lightning example for other young couples. 
I certainly think you have been. I want to share one last thing before we go. Uh, Jess handmade uh, probably, I don't know, 400 rosaries, uh, little rope rosaries for, prior to their wedding and put them in a basket and had them blessed. And everyone who attended their wedding at Sacred Heart and Broussard uh, received one of these rosaries, and it's had quite an impact on everyone who's been there. So it's been a real honor to have you all on the show. I love you guys and uh, wish you nothing but the best. And uh, I'm glad we were able to put this together today. Thanks, Dad. God bless you both. Okay. <laughs> Listening to Cajun Catholics. Until next time, uh, we always challenge you to energize the Cajun Catholic in you. God bless.